Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Hey, it's Monday. With Mike and Mary. What? That's, is that why we call this podcast Mondays, Mondays with, with Mike, Mike and, and Mary? Mary. Hi, yeah, everyone. Welcome. <laughs> this is our chance to reflect back for you the highlights from our most recent coaching calls on the R-Squared Coaching Program. Yippee, every Friday we get a PhD in real estate and like to share what we learn with you in hopes that You'll share it with others, that it will make a difference in your career and in your life, and we're really excited to have you with us today. Yeah, welcome to a new year, and that's what my Parade of Techniques is about to start with, but really? you get to go first today, Mary. Oh, come on. Uh, how, well, do you, how do you keep a salesperson in suspense? <laughs> Maybe I should have said this a couple weeks ago on January 1st. Like Happy New Year? But lots of people are looking at the year and saying, how am I going to hit my goal this year? It's a great big goal. It looks distant. And I know, remember, it's a marathon, not a sprint. But how do you hit your goal this year? Well, here's the parade of techniques for all of you folks who are looking at your goal thinking, oh, boy, how am I going to Yeah, break it down. Get a couple charts, put them on the wall. Here's 2018, here's 2019. How do I do better this year than I did last year? Well, it's real simple. Beat January. Ah. And then after you beat January, beat February. Don't worry about January. Don't stay mad at January. Don't worry about March. Just in February, beat February. And you can do that. You can beat January if you start now. Beat last January. And then go to February and beat last February. And you know what? You'll hit your goal in 2019. Wow. I like it. All right. I have a parade of techniques, and it's about uh, capturing more leads. I think on almost every coaching call, we talked about how to get more listings. Yes. Tis the season. It kind of goes hand in hand. With build what your you inventory. Just said. Yeah. yeah. So what am I going to do to build my inventory? And I heard all kinds of ideas, but the one I want to share with you today is about getting leads from your lender. And there are a couple of programs out there that the lender can sign up for, and then you get the lead. And of course, the partnership is then when a buyer inquires about a property, you have the skill to capture them. Most mortgage brokers do not. And believe me, loan officers are getting squeezed right now. So they should be hungry for what I'm about to share with y'all. You betcha. So you capture the buyer, then, you know, they're probably not going to buy the house they call in on, right? Statistically, they're not going to buy the house they inquire about, but you're good at capturing them. You're good at a scheduling a sit-down, roping them in, and then you're going to pass that buyer to your mortgage rep, Who's going to show them how much they need for a down payment and what their payments would be and what the right kind of mortgage is going to be. And pretty soon the two of you are going to cement that relationship with the buyer. So here's what you got to do. You got to go to your lender and, and encourage them to redirect their marketing money into one of these two places. Now, before I tell you what the two places are, um, one of my students mentioned that his lender was spending two grand a month on Zillow and Trulia advertising to capture buyer leads. Wow. Right. This plan that I'm about to share with you is 200 bucks a month. A tenth of the cost. That's right. And it costs the realtor nothing. Although in one of the states, 
the realtor had to pay a dollar a month so that there wasn't any uh, collusion or a what is A dollar that? a month? Yeah. I'm out. Forget <laughs> it. That's too much. <laughs> per day. All right. Anyway, this, this is called Listing Booster. So check it out. Listing Booster. And the gentleman that brought this to the call said his lender is getting 200 buyer leads a month. Now, he's not giving all of those to the same realtor. You can have up to 100 realtors that you're distributing these leads to because what, you do, what you're doing is you're capturing the lead by using the MLS description. So here's the way it works. There's a, um, a sign writer with a text number. Uh -huh. And so the buyer that's going by texts the number on the sign. They're taken to the photos and the uh, images of that property. And the realtor receives a text saying somebody is looking at your property right now. Right. So it gives the realtor a chance to text back. So a couple of things. First of all, everybody answers texts, whereas not everybody answers a telephone call or an email. Secondly... Um, the, there's a, um, there's a text code in your MLS description. So another one of these companies, let's see, there was listing booster and the second company is called list reports. I don't know the difference. I don't know if it would be worth doing both of them, but I had another student talk about list reports. And what she said is that the, um, the MLS rules have removed the ability to put in website links. Uh -huh. So you used to be able to have a unique website URL for your listing. Right. And now you can't put those in the MLS. But so far, at least in her MLS area, there's no rule that says you can't put in a text code. Same with Craigslist. In many cases, it's not okay to put your website link into Craigslist, but you can put a text code uh -huh. into Craigslist. So this is sort of a sideways way of generating additional leads. And one of our students is texting back a short video. And, and it's a little selfie. So he gets the text, hey, they're looking at your property, and then he immediately turns around. Now, I'm not sure you'd want to do this if you were a girl. You'd probably want to do hair and makeup first, you know? But <laughs> anyway, this is a guy that turns around, does a selfie, and says, hey, I just got the text that you're looking at my property at 123 Main Street. Love to show it to you. If you are interested in any other properties, I can show those too. And I'm available at... And so he's connecting with them with a video right away via text, and he's got a huge, huge open rate. Have you heard of anything like this, Michael? Uh, Big Purple Dot. Oh, tell me about that. Um, I know very little about it. It's a CRM for lenders. Okay. And it generates leads for real estate agents and that the lender shares with the agent. Uh, I've heard it a couple times in the last few weeks. Big Purple Dot. Oh, very cool. Check that out. You know what? I just, there was one other little piece of minutiae that's yeah. kind of neat. And sometimes when you text, people don't read the words of the text, but they will look at images. Yeah. So this list reports actually puts the, um, the text information over the top of the image. So when the consumer is looking at images rather than print, they are also seeing the text. Ah, a picture's worth a thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Cool. So check it out. Have some conversations with your mortgage reps. See if you can get them signed up for something like this. If they're spending money on marketing anyway, you could be a hero.
So let me see if I got that math correct. This guy's getting 200 leads a month for $200 a month. Cool, huh? That's uh, a dollar that. a lead. I know. That's a good thing. Might be worth it. Yeah. Yeah. So I have an Ask the Experts I want to share because it's about listings. Oh, listings. And not getting listings, okay. but losing listings. Okay. We're always competing. You know that. We're always in competition. And if you know that, if you go into your listing appointment with that mindset, then you're always going to ask the magic question, who else are you talking with about selling your home? Do you think people should do that even if they're on a referred lead appointment? Absolutely. Yeah. Because it might not be other agents they're talking with. They could be talking to their brother-in-law, Fred. They could be talking to their neighbors. They're for sure talking mm. to each other. Mm -hmm. Maybe they have a family or friend who's uh, licensed. But you want to know who else they're talking with. And you find that out up front during the discovery phase of your listing presentation. And not at the end as a surprise. Wow, I wish everyone was coming to our listing presentation workshop. Because yeah. I know we're going to talk about that there as well. But we, I had three different Ask the Experts questions this last session from three different people who had lost listings. Seriously? Yeah. One to a child. <laughs> <laughs> what? That cracked me up. What do I've you mean? Got, I've got 30 years experience. He has one. I lost this to a child, you know, oh. who was willing to do something that I'm not willing to do because it, it turns out I didn't want the listing because of what the seller required. But uh, another was because... Uh, I didn't have the track record in this specific neighborhood oh, no. that the competition did. And another was, I was given some information that I didn't get from you that I wasn't aware of by another agent. Oh. You know, so the question is, what do I do about all of this? Okay, let's and, lose fewer. Yeah, and, and some great advice came out. Uh, one was... It's 10 times more important for you to take a look at why you do get the listings you get than it is to grind over why you're losing the few that you lose. We're all really good. Yeah. You know, because we're Wickmanized. We don't lose a lot of them, but you can't get them all. It's kind of human nature to grind yeah. over the ones you lose. I know. Lose. I know. Don't read your reviews, right? Because. Right. The 999 great reviews you get are way offset by the one person who complains. Does, grinding is a good word, too. the three-page critique. That is what we do. Yes. All right, so... Yeah, it's look. more important to look at why you do get the listings okay. you do. Got it. And it's also important to pay attention every once in a while to why you lose the ones you lose. To see if so there's a can, pattern? Yep. And to put something in place to prevent it from happening again. Okay. You know, that's the aha system. Mm -hmm. Uh so if you're, if you're doing follow-up, first of all, don't apologize for your shortcomings, but it's okay to ask why you didn't get it. And if you're not going to ask, it's even better to get a third party to ask, like a broker, to do a survey. You know, I'm doing a survey for on behalf of all of my agents so we can serve our clients better. Would you be willing to tell me why you didn't list with my agent? And your broker might hear some things that you need to know. And that could help. But in terms of being, uh, uh, having a track record in a specific neighborhood, 
how many homes have you sold in my neighborhood? You know, the truth is the technology has made geography irrelevant. It's almost like when the, the, the automobile was introduced into the, the American culture, it shrunk the country. And technology has shrunk our markets. Geography is almost irrelevant. You know, I've got brokers, uh, a broker in Chicago who'll take a listing anywhere in a 50-mile radius. Seriously? Yeah, because you can market through technology well, yeah. to the world now. Just don't drive out there every Sunday for an open yeah, house. It's and good. Do you want more buyers for that area? Yeah. Okay. Geography used to matter. We it, don't all have it to It doesn't agree. matter as much. <laughs> okay. Our multiple listing systems have expanded. They're not as well. That's true. As small as they used to that's be. That's right. Uh, here's a great phrase. I have one resource that I need to be an expert at selling your house, and that's you. Okay. If I know everything about you and your house, I can get it sold. You can, you can state to them, with a, a fair degree of certainty, that of all the inventory I take. I sell everything, because we do. Our sold listing ratio to listings taken is in the 90 percentile. You know, we're because we're Wickmanized, we're way better than the average agent. So show them your list of listings taken to sold listings. Show them your list of list-to-sale ratio. Show them your list of days on market against the competition, and you'll come out ahead. Show them the list of the number of homes you've sold in the times that you've been in business. And that can put that, what kind of track record do you have in my neighborhood hesitation to rest. I like it. Well, I have an Ask the Experts question to share with you, too. And coincidentally, yeah. it's somewhat similar. It's a, is it about listings? Yes. How did you know? Good. It's about pricing listings. Oh, yeah. So I had a couple of Ask the Experts questions. The one I'm referring to specifically at this moment, though, was one of our students, been through the program once or twice, and went on a listing appointment. Guy wants more than it's worth. No. House is in bad condition. No. She's showing him the comps. Oh, boy. Saying, well, I'll come back when you fix it up and we'll look at it again. But, you know, the truth is, no matter how he fixes it up, I mean, he painted a wall red, for God's sake. He's got, he's got kind of bad taste and he wants, get this, about 20% more than it's worth. Why are you going back? So here is what I wanted to just reflect on. The, the best advice, I think, actually, she got some really good advice, but... If I could just implore all of you, we are all going to walk into listings this year that are overpriced, that the seller is unrealistic. And showing comparables right up front when you're not about to get the listing isn't going to help your cause. Master dialogue. That's what we got to do. We got to listen to the seller, find out what it is that they're trying to achieve, Master pricing dialogue. Floyd Wickman, I think this is my personal opinion. He doesn't pay me extra to say this, has invented <laughs> the most incredible pricing dialogue. It explains the relationship between price and time. This guy can get the price he wants. I'm sure of it. He may have to wait 25 or 30 years. His heirs will get the price. His he wants. heirs. <laughs> his, 
the the generation after his heirs yes. have died. <laughs> so, you know, when you can go in and be strong at presenting price and leave the ball in their court, you get to decide if you even want it. Please don't go be going back there three times. You've got better fish to fry. You've got more people that want what you can do for them. Go find those and stay in touch with the ones that aren't ready to do it your way. Um, and so I implore all of you, master pricing dialogue. We are going to encounter people today that want more than it's worth. And if you haven't mastered what to say, you're doing them and especially yourself and your family a disservice. What a good coach you are. Can I editorialize for a few no, minutes? Brother. I suppose. Okay. Your name is on the podcast. I'll come back <laughs> when you've fixed it up. No. Get the listing. Oh, yeah. Get the listing and motivate that seller to get it fixed up in time to show. I think I said that twice yesterday. If you, if you wait until they fix it up to put it on the market, they're never going to get it done. Or they'll have found a buyer by then that thinks they're going to buy and you'll postpone another four months to find out that they didn't. Or yeah. there'll be another realtor that knocks on their door and says, how about me? I'll do it for free. Make them sit down <laughs> and watch that Netflix special, The Magic of Tidying Up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But here's here's what I really wanted to say about all what of that. What did you really want to say about all that, Michael? Don't ever, ever, like ever. Ever? Tell somebody, I know what your house is worth. Because to them, it's worth a fortune. All we do as real estate salespeople is show them what it will probably sell for. We know our marketing works. What we're testing is the price to find out what it will sell for. Worth is a subjective word, and it's got emotional attachments to it. What your home is probably going to sell for has something to do with the market out there. If you say, I've got an opinion as to what it's worth, you're identifying yourself with a, with a, a, a number, a, a money number, that they're going to have an emotional response to, and it's almost always 100% negative. So don't ever use that phrase, what it's worth. Use the phrase, what it will probably sell for, and you're going to end up agreeing on price more often than not. Well, that was an editorial view. Yeah. Thank you. Just my opinion. <laughs> I could be wrong. Well, you're never wrong. That's true. I, <laughs> I'm not always right, but I'm never wrong. Okay, dear. <laughs> and now I'm saying the podcast is over. Okay. For today. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Have a great week. <laughs>